The following is a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee's Sports Authority. Lock into your radio dial for 97.9 ESPN Radio's official post-game show, Wake Up Knowles. It's time to recap all the action of another seminal game day with your seminal insiders, Tom Block and Keith Jones. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Good day, Seminole fans. The news is good for Florida State. Tom and Keith back with you uh, a day later. Well, we're, we're on the same day, but uh, we're a day further removed from the uh, football game on Friday night when Florida State got a 45-7 to win over B.C. And we've been waiting for this, Keith. Uh, there's not a lot to nitpick in this one. Obviously, B.C. was overmatched, but I think you have to be pretty pleased what Florida State showed in all three phases. This is what we had grown accustomed to seeing. Uh, particularly during the 2013 National Championship year and certainly during the dynasty years and and certainly in terms of home games against opponents that you were favored. Uh, But it's been a long time since we've seen it. Uh, I'm I'm still trying to process uh, all that it meant. There were still some warts and some bruises. We'll talk about those. But big picture, this is probably the most complete Florida State win in two years, maybe even three years, um, when you look at it in total. And let's get this out of the way first, because naysayers will say Boston College isn't very good. And it's fair to say they're not very good on offense. They're pretty good on defense. Regardless of the talent disparity between the two, Florida State has had teams that have really struggled against BC. Last year was one of them. 2014 was another where the Knowles trailed 24-7. So, yes, we'll admit this is not a college football playoff uh, contender or opponent, but let's not let that diminish the fact that FSU came out, finally scored in the first quarter, put the game away when they should have, really stepped on the throat of BC and played well. Maybe the biggest thing, and we'll talk about this more in depth when we get to the defensive section, but the the, the nine consecutive three and outs uh, to me uh, was the biggest takeaway from the standpoint that uh, the defense is finally learning uh, and, and, and demonstrating on the field the need to play with that intensity. And right behind that, 1A, 1B, uh, is the fact that Florida State scored a touchdown, uh, in fact two when everything was said and done. The first two touchdowns they've scored against any FBS opponent in the first quarter in any game. And so the uh, worrying about the slow start seems to maybe have gotten over the hump a little bit. Still got to do it down the road, but at least the first step was taken where, where we hadn't seen that previously. And it's interesting that they would get over that slow start hurdle in a short week where they went Saturday to Friday. They had less practice time. But when I talked to some of the players after the game, they indicated that they could really tell early in the week that it just felt like a more crisp week. They weren't making the silly mistakes in practice. They seemed to be focused. I think, though we would wish that the team was this way at the start of the year, it is a new team every year, and I think they're learning how to practice and learning how to play. Jimbo said as much, and I remember you know, reading through the transcripts of his Monday press conferences and, and the transcripts sometimes of his Wednesday uh, ACC when they do the round robin with all the coaches, and, and you hear Coach Fisher talk about how they're learning to practice, and you think, wait a minute, we're in week eight, we're in week nine, week ten, What do you mean we're just now learning how to practice? But the reality is that when you're young, 
uh, learning those habits, sometimes it comes quickly and, and other times it takes a while. And getting into the habit of knowing what you're supposed to do on Monday and what happens on Tuesday and Wednesday and how you finish up on Thursday and Friday through the walkthrough, that process also takes a while for you to get used to. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, this team has turned that corner. Well, as we typically do, and if you've listened to this program, uh, you should be familiar by now, but uh, we come your way every Sunday morning at 9 and again at 7 p.m., uh, and we recap uh, the most recent Florida State football game. We'll spend one segment on offense, one segment on defense, and then we'll wrap things up. But, but as we get started, let's listen in to Jimbo Fisher's postgame press conference uh, or comments, some of them anyway, from Friday night. He obviously was pleased. Uh, it was almost as if a burden was lifted off the team's back in the locker room. They were finally happy and pleased with their performance, as they should have been after the game. This uh, audio is courtesy of Seminoles.com for complete postgame coverage. Uh, go to Seminoles.com. But let's listen now to Jimbo and his comments after the big win over B.C. Again, uh, proud of our team. Uh, Love the way they come out and started the game. Played really well defensively, offensively, very efficient, taking the first two drives down, played really well, got ahead. And, uh, you know, that was one of our challenges, get ahead, stay ahead, and keep playing from ahead, learning how to do that, and keep taking steps and uh, learning to do that process. And very proud of our team. I thought they played very hard. I thought they played with good consistency. Again, that is a uh, Boston College is a very physical football team. Uh, Best of defense, they force a lot of fronts, a lot of blitzes, a lot of – uh, challenge you in a lot of different ways and try to make you play over the top of them, which we were able to do tonight. Odd and some of the guys in the verticals and the passing game down the field was able to make plays. And, you know, usually it's hard running the football on them. They, they give you some ugly negative runs because they put so many guys in the box and blitz and twist and do things. But uh, Dalvin's still able to get over 100 yards. The quarterback runs really helped us in the numbers and the angles when we had to use those. Um, and what we did, but uh, getting better as a football team, you know, we always want to get better in November and keep progressing. I think we are defensively. We were outstanding. I thought they were lights out, getting off the field on third down, playing the run, keeping great contained because they do a great job of getting edge sweeps and those speed sweeps. We, we were really playing those really well. And, uh, and then special teams, we did a nice job and uh, very, we punted the ball much better tonight, too. And uh, very proud of Logan. He had a good night, hit a big field goal, and uh, see some of his leg and the things he's doing. So very proud of our team. Again, a lot of work to do. Got to get ready to play a, a very good series. Syracuse team next week up there in the Dome. That's a tough place to play, so we'll get ready to go. So Jimbo pleased, uh, as you would expect, and and there really was a lot to like. And again, we'll get into the offense and defense, and again, that's courtesy of Seminoles.com. I want to go bigger picture first. Friday night football, we hadn't had that since the 50s. I was curious to see what the attendance would be. Turned out to be pretty doggone good. 73 plus, is that what I read? I I never saw the figure, but looking at it from the field, I can just tell you that uh, other than the very top of the student section, uh, there really weren't... A little bit of of the, what would that be, the north end zone? Yeah, where some recruits are, which it was a Friday night, uh, and so you had high school football going on, and so recruits and their families probably, uh, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just assuming there weren't as many there as may typically be, but all in all, I thought there was a lot to be pleased with. I was pleased also with uh, how the crowd reacted, uh, given uh, the Military Appreciation Day uh, uh, festivities. Uh, There was an article in the paper, uh, various other comments have been made on uh, social media, uh, when that when that soldier sprinted out to greet his family, uh, and that was it, unbelievable. That was, and if you read Dalvin Cook's comments about the players watching that happen, uh, the biggest one I got out as, as Cook goes, "Dang, that guy's fast." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was hoofing it. I'm not going to lie; I was getting ready. EJ Manuel was back for the game. And uh, we'll share that story later on in, in greater detail. But I was getting ready to interview him on the on the radio, 
And then that unfolded, and and uh, I I can't lie, you know, I'm a dad. I had tears had come tears to the eyes, and I when said, that little girl cried, yeah, when yeah, she teared up. I was right there with her. All right, so this is the sentimental feel-good edition of this show. Uh, let's get back to football here. And uh, uh, before we close out this first segment, I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, you can visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. They've got two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway, or you can find them online at uh, ctf.nu. Tell Ron that we sent him your way, or you, uh, or we sent you his way. Exactly. Easy for me to say. Um, Quick grades, and then we'll get into offense and defense. I mean, it's got to be at least uh, an A minus, uh, B plus for all three phases. I would give it a solid A minus. Uh, you know, if you want to nitpick, uh, you know, uh, Tyler still struggles struggled a little bit with his distance on the punts, uh, but other than that, um, you know, uh, Nooney got a chance to return a couple balls. He got tripped up, but prior to that, uh, he'd been fair catching everything. Uh, kickoffs were good. Offense was good. Defense was good. Third down was great at one point. Uh, they were 0 for 9, were um, uh, Boston College on third down conversion, uh, did not get the fourth down conversion that they attempted. Uh, I, I mean, you can just go down the list, and everything would grade out very positively. By the way, we should have pointed this out, and you may be aware by now since uh, we're more than 24 hours removed from the game, but DeAndre Francois is going to be fine. A shoulder contusion, and the game was uh, wrapped up, and there was no need to put him back in. I will suggest that uh, that was the moment that Jimbo came out of the tent the injury tent when he uh, first of all Jake File came out the athletic trainer and he had a smile on his face which told me immediately that this was not something serious I'm not suggesting he was joking in there but whatever was said uh, he was smiling coming out Jimbo went in quickly came out DeAndre's fine but then Jimbo went down to Dalvin on the uh, bench where the running backs sit and I couldn't hear what was said but he leaned over and had a conversation with him and it was either you got 19 yards to go we're going to let you go get it or you know what, this game's wrapped up. We can't afford to lose you. And I didn't know at the moment, but then the offense went back out there and, and uh, Patrick went out and at Cook. So obviously it was the latter of the two. You know, we're not going to roll the dice on, on our bell cow here. We're going to go ahead and sit you down and we'll get the record next week at Syracuse. Only because I've been there. The, the first thing that happens in that tent, Tommy, for our listeners that may not know, is they do the, what's called the initial value evaluation. Duh. And what they're looking for there, particularly with the shoulder, is it's separated, so they go through a range of motion. And they can tell, they can't tell the severity, but they can tell if there's a separation, if there's a tear by how they do the range of motion. Same thing they do when they're out on the field and they're looking at the stabilization of the knee. How stable is the knee? They can tell very early if there's a chance or if there's no chance. So I'm thinking uh, File was in there with the team physicians. They put uh, DeAndre through that range of motion, and it hurts, but they didn't detect a click. They didn't detect instability. That's why people had smiles on their face when they came out. You know it's not necessarily serious. It's just a hurt as opposed to an injury. Well, they listed it as a contusion or a shoulder bruise, but the good news is he's going to be fine. Dalvin Cook is fine, and he's 19 yards away from that record. We'll talk about the offense first this week, uh, and we'll do that as soon as we come back. Florida State celebrates a 45-7 win over Boston College. Stay with us. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. 
Good day, Seminole fans. Tom and Keith with you wrapping up a 45-7 win over Boston College. Let's talk offense and, and how Jimbo attacked this. BC, number 15 nationally in total defense, very good against the run. If you remember the game last year in Chestnut Hill, you know that. But uh, historically, and we talked about this in the pregame, since 2005, the stingiest teams in allowing 100-yard rushers Number one is Alabama. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Boston College. So we knew it was going to be tough sledding for Dalvin, yet he got there in three quarters to 100 yards. Uh, Eagles were giving up, I believe, 106 yards a game on the ground. You mentioned 15th. That's 15th overall defense. They're actually number eight in the country against the rush. Uh, And early on, you saw Dalvin struggling to get that yardage. Uh, I think what was interesting, however, is how Jimbo came out in that first series. Uh, I believe there were eight, maybe nine plays in that first series, and seven of them were passes. Uh, DeAndre was six of seven for a little over 70 yards uh, in the touchdown in that first drive. And I think that showed two things. Number one, uh, Jimbo recognizing and continuing to know and trying to find ways to get this offense untracked early. And number two, a a compliment or a recognition of how stout that BC run defense is. So we're going to go over the top and and try to loosen things up before we start handing the ball off to Dalvin on the ground. Well, I liked it. DeAndre was incredibly sharp. And by the way, you say six for seven. The one incomplete was the play prior to the touchdown where they tried to throw to Tate and BC got away with a hold on him is why that ball looked like it was well overthrown. It was because Tate couldn't launch. Otherwise, I'm not saying he would have caught it, but it would have looked a lot closer. But they started sharp. He also mixed in more reverses than typically. Just uh, being a little bit more creative because he knew BC was keying absolutely positively on Dalvin Cook. Well, and later on, maybe the fourth or fifth or sixth series, you saw DeAndre taking off on you know quarterback sweeps, for lack of a better term. And on a couple of them, again, no disrespect to Dalvin. He's not asked to do this very often. But if Dalvin makes a couple of blocks downfield, you know, DeAndre's got some 40 or 50 yard touchdown runs potentially as well. Uh, I found that very interesting because we knew that uh, there was a a reticence to run DeAndre given all the punishment that he'd taken standing in the pocket. You know, you just don't want to expose your quarterback uh, any more than you have to. Uh, And in one particular series, they ran him twice. Back-to-back quarterback keepers, if you will. Uh, I thought that showed some creativity. I agree. I think the reverses, um, you know, you plant those seeds in in those defensive uh, minds. The backside and the safeties, when you run those reverses, you know they can always happen. And Florida State used the reverse motion a couple of times to try to shift strength from one side to the other. I I thought it was a very creative game plan. It it was a creative game plan. It was a successful game plan, and we'll continue to focus on the positive here. Uh, Nooney Murray's been the story the last two weeks, and he had a great touchdown catch on Friday, pulled a low ball. I mean, it it was low because that's where you throw it. It was a good throw and catch, but Auden Tate had his best game. Six catches, 101 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and he's the roommate of uh, DeAndre Francois, if memory serves, so obviously there's a nice connection there, but seeing that big target continue to develop is, is nice. His biggest attribute or the thing that appears to be propelling him most is just his confidence. He's made some catches, and now he knows that he can. Uh, you know, the knock on him and spring ball, the knock last year during early camp, and part of the reason he didn't see a lot of playing time 
uh, in the 2015 season is he had some drops. You know, he wasn't hanging on to the ball. Well, my gosh, he's, he's making some uh, – I won't call them acrobatic necessarily catches because they'd be acrobatic for me at 5'10". They're, <laughs> they're a little bit routine for him at 6'4", at 6'5", six, six, whatever he stands. But he goes up, he catches the front of the ball with his hands. He doesn't let it get into his body. He doesn't try to do anything smart with it. Goes up, snatches it almost like you would a basketball rebound, and then brings it down. And, and that confidence, you can see it grow. Growing and, and a more confident Tate is a very, very dangerous weapon for opponents to have to measure up against. Really well-spoken kid, too. I spoke to him after the game Friday night, first time I've interviewed him. Great, great interview. Uh, polite kid and a lot of upside. Now, he's not the athlete that Kelvin Benjamin was or is, so let's not say that he's the next Kelvin Benjamin, but he could be a really good receiver for FSU. Not to look too far ahead, but just as an aside, you're looking at Nooney Murray, uh, Travis Rudolph, Auden Tate coming back next year, obviously all of them, along, along with, with Phillips and, and Gavin. I mean, and I know, folks, you've heard this before, but that's going to be a pretty good receiving core with a quarterback that returns next year. Now, uh, I've got a quarterback that ain't coming back next year. Yes, that's where we're going next. And then we will get to the offensive line issues because the tackles had trouble protecting against a very, very good defensive end for No, BC. they didn't have troubles. They, had, they failed. They failed. Okay. <laughs> but we will get to that. Don't think we're going to discount that, folks. But uh, Sean McGuire, what, what a story his career has been. Certainly not the way you would want it to go if you're Sean. You would have loved to have been the starter every game of your career. Didn't work out that way. But he gets in on senior night, throws a couple of touchdowns, and uh, you know gets a chance to play in front of his parents. Let's listen into his comments, and then Keith and I will share our thoughts on it. This, again, is courtesy of Seminoles.com for all your uh, complete Florida State coverage. Let's listen into fifth-year senior quarterback Sean McGuire. It was nice, obviously, to get out there on senior day and, you know, do that. And when DeAndre got hurt, you know, I just had to be ready. What has your mindset been all season? You've had to step in occasionally, and you had to do it, I think, three separate times tonight. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, I've been in the situation before, obviously being in 2014, you know, just, you know, it's the one play away, you know. You could, it could happen the first quarter, I can in the third quarter, the third quarter like it did today. And, uh you know, it's just one of those things where you got to prepare Monday, Monday through Friday like you're starting. Was this the most complete game that this team's played all year, offense, defense, special teams? I think so. I mean, the defense played outstanding. Uh, we seemed like we were always in great field position, and uh, we ran the ball and then threw the ball efficiently tonight. Having a guy like like on Tate, I mean, you can teach a lot of things to a receiver. You can't teach six five. What no. kind of difference can he you make? You can't teach that, and you can't teach his athleticism. And uh, you know, especially for uh, teams who play a lot of man, it's just it's a nightmare. What did what did it mean for this team? I mean, fans have been clamoring all year to, to get out to that fast start to get for the team to go down. And hey, did that do something to the energy of the team? Yeah, I think so. I think I think that. Uh you know, once we did start fast, I think everybody, you know, kind of hopped on board on both sides of the ball and special teams. What does it mean to you to see the kind of respect that your teammates have for you, the things they say about you, and, and just the, the regard that they hold you got? You know? I mean, it's it's awesome, you know, because that's what it's all about. You know, Coach Fisher always says, you know, when you come back here when you're 40, 50 years old, you know, how are you going to be remembered? And, you know, what are the guys going to say about you? And do they have respect for you? And then that's something that, you know, I've been taught since I was little. Was it that, that final one to Freddie, that means something senior to senior? Yeah, it was nice, you know, you know, being with Freddie for the past four years. And, you know, it was kind of a nice, nice way to end it. What a well-spoken uh, young man. I mean, to think about what his career has been, 
he gets in the class behind, comes in the same year as Jameis, and is not daunted by that. I'm coming to FSU anyway. Sits the bench behind Jameis. Uh, at one point, gets a chance to start and engineers a victory over Clemson early a in his career. A huge win. A huge win. Becomes the starter last year when Golson struggles, then just gets snake bit by injuries. Obviously, in the Chick Fil A Bowl, in the uh, but comes in, back with that injury in the Chick Fil A Bowl and plays That's unbelievable. Then gets hurt in preseason, which sort of takes him out of the running for the quarterback job, and then just has to sit and basically be the clipboard guy as a young star emerges in DeAndre Francois. I just can't say enough good things about his demeanor and positive attitude and what a team guy he is. What I respect about our fans is that our fans respect what McGuire has done. Uh, he got. By my estimation, the the most uh, loud uh, ovation. He did. He did w- during senior night when he was introduced. Uh, when he went out on the field, he got another ovation, and he stepped right in, and 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 was throwing the ball with great accuracy and great authority. You you can tell Tommy that that this kid has the respect of his teammates. Uh, there, there's been two guys in my time of covering Florida State the last 30 years, there's been two guys that have lost the quarterback job but have continued to represent themselves and represent Florida State immensely. The first one was Weatherford when Ponder was given right. the job. The second one is McGuire. And for all of us old guys, we remember a guy named Rooster that came in and won a Florida Florida State game in Tallahassee right. one time. And anytime he is introduced anywhere amongst our fans that have been around for a few years, still held in great esteem. Weatherford and now McGuire are going to fit into that same category. Uh, I've got utmost respect for him, McGuire, and there's no doubt in my mind, whatever he chooses to do, he is going to be successful at. Big props and tip of the cap to Sean McGuire. We've got about a minute left here to wrap things up. And, uh, you know, Florida State had uh, all week and several hours on Friday night and couldn't figure out how to solve the issues at uh, one tackle spot in particular. So we're not going to solve it in a minute. You you summed it up perfectly. They uh, just failed. They just failed. And, and there were two tackles. It was Rubel and then Rick Leonard got an opportunity. I think what it illustrates is that there are – it's twofold. Number one, let's give some credit to Boston College for their defensive I mean, that's, a, that's an NFL player, and too. No, and talking. number seven in particular, I mean, he, he's probably – he may go in the first round before DeMarcus Walker. Right. Let's be fair. Right. He may go before DeMarcus goes. Secondly, th- there's got to be a way that that gets more easily recognized. In other words, my, my criticism of that is on Rubel and, and, and Rick. But – Rick Leonard. Leonard. But the Florida State coaches have got to recognize that because after the third time, you saw Dalvin getting a chip, you saw Patrick getting a chip, you saw a tight end over there. Well, let's don't wait till the third time. Let's maybe wait till the first time. Well, and I I think the reason they didn't do it the first time, they they knew that they needed tight end help, but they decided to go more wide to take advantage of an advantage there against the B.C. secondary. It worked out early on, but B.C. got theirs too. All right, we're done on offense. We didn't solve anything there. We're just pointing out the obvious, I guess. We're real good at that. We are good at that. We'll come back and talk the defensive side of the ball. Florida State wins 45-7 to over Boston College on Friday night. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones.
We turn over to defense, and truthfully, uh, we probably should have led with the defense given that that outing. But uh, the offense was pretty good, too, and scored early on the first couple of drives, as noted. Defensively, though, you mentioned it already, nine three-and-outs in a row. Uh, I think it was 74 yards of offense at the half, and 39 of those came on one run from a missed tackle. Well, it was 81 yards at the first quarter with 39 coming on one play. In the second quarter, B.C. netted a negative seven yards in total offense. The third quarter, they had about 11 or 12 total yards. They finished the game at about 160. 75 of that came on the last drive when they scored the touchdown against the twos and the threes. I mean, it was as dominant a statistical performance as a Florida State defense has had. You know, I, I don't know if the 2013 group had a statistically better defensive performance uh, than this group did. Obviously, you're going up against a lesser opponent. Uh, I think the timing was real good. You mentioned how the kids were excited about, they got excited about the short week, had good practice. I think two things uh, pay uh, special attention to, to pay special attention to. Number one, the return of Trey Marshall. And number two, I, I'm, I just continued to be impressed with Ermon Lane. He had a couple of plays on a little inside screen that he blew up. He almost would have intercepted it and returned it. And, and some continued consistency on the outside by McFadden. Uh, these guys are just playing better. And you get Trey back in there to get them lined up and in the right direction. And you're just seeing a defensive unit finally come into its own and improvement. McFadden, I only recall two balls being thrown his way. One he had his hands on, could have been a pick six. Uh, the other one was a ball that short hopped into the receiver. So I recall 0 for 2 was what BC was against McFadden. Of course, BC did not complete many passes, so they struggled against everybody. Well, they have two or three completions, or however many they finished with. It wasn't much. Yeah, it certainly wasn't. Let's go back to Trey Marshall again, because the return of Marshall, you think safety, uh, and you might think that he helps against the pass, which he does. But what he does at that star position, better than anybody else they have on the roster, is he fits the run very well there, too. So if you think about how NC State had success running, and Kyle Myers is a freshman. He'd never played first and second down before. Usually he goes in on third down when you know it's a pass. Against NC State, he's in there, and they were trying to cheat. They'd put Pew in there sometimes, but if NC State was running and you had Kyle Myers instead of Trey who was out, they were having better success. Marshall comes back, and, and he gives he's a better blend whether it's pass or run. And I think in terms of the bigger picture, uh, you know, with the announcement that they're going to seek the uh, medical hardship red shirt for Nate Andrews, I, I think that it just continues to speak to the fact that that safety position and normally the star – the star is a safety. I mean, it, you can play a corner, but you, you don't need the, the real fast guy in there. You need a quick guy, strong guy that's good against the run. Yeah. Typically, corners are not terribly physical against the run. So it, it just kind of lends itself to a safety. You can end up with three or four guys rotating the quote-unquote three positions, and that makes you a very strong defense. Well, think about who has excelled in that position. LaMarcus Joyner, Jalen Ramsey. I know Ramsey's a, a corner, too, but those are big physical presences, which is more what Trey Marshall is. Kyle Myers still in his first year as, as a freshman. I thought, and we've been very critical, as have most of the linebacker play this year, uh, it was pretty obvious that BC was going to struggle in the past. The linebackers got to play downhill, and I thought they both uh, shown very well. Well, one of the things I think we've learned is that the weakness of the linebackers are in read plays and pass plays. Uh, 
When you're just lining up conventional running plays because of their athleticism and they don't have to think much, they can just react, um, they're pretty darn good. Now, obviously, you don't play very many teams that only do that, Boston College and, and, and maybe NC State. Everybody else is doing the read option and making you think about passes downfield, particularly when you go up against Clemson and Louisville. So I realize it's a real simplistic comment I'm making. But just like Tate gaining confidence, Maybe, just maybe, those linebackers gaining some confidence because they're having success set up well as you face a very up-tempo, very wide-open attack in Syracuse, and then whatever happens when you play the Gators. Let's listen in now uh, to Roderick Hoskins, uh, and then we'll get to the defensive line and the rest of the defense. But uh, he was one of the leading tacklers, and when I said both linebackers played well, I was referring to he and Matthew Thomas. Obviously, uh, Dontavious played as well, and then the twos and threes got in there. But uh, here is Roderick after Florida State's defense uh, excelled against B.C. on Friday night. Yeah, you know, that was a good um, jump for us, man. You know, that energized us. Made us want to go out there and play and keep, and keep the um, intensity going. Why was the, the defense able to dominate tonight? Um, we communicating well, seeing things that we've seen in practice, and just reacting. I mean, I mean to, to hold a team without a first down for the second and third quarters and until that very last drive that they had, what, I mean, just how hard is that? I mean, it, it's, it, it can be hard, you know, but we just stayed with our um, keys, and it took us to the ball, communicated well. And things just worked out. It seems like since after I think the the UNC game, defense really started to play better. Were, were there any different? Is there something different? Did something change? Why was the defense? Why have you guys so much more comfortable? Um, I felt like um, after that we looked at it and we, that's not the defense we wanted to be. So we started hustling more, being around the ball more, giving more effort, and just chasing the ball and getting after them. What did it mean on senior night to see some of the, the seniors have big games? I mean, it, it, it was good to see them go out there with a bang, you know, only a few more times for they um, be in the stadium. So them playing hard made us want to play hard for them. As a defender, what kind of mismatch can a guy like Auden create with, with being 6'5"? I mean, just his height, man. He, he got so much. He can, he can create separation just off his body, you know. It, it, can, it's, it, real, it can be real tough to guard him. As far as next week, you had a short week this week, but now you get that extra day of rest. How big is that for this team? I mean, that's real big. You know, our body's kind of beat up from taking on that run all the time, but that extra day going to give us going to get our bodies back right. So for Derek Hoskins uh, and the defense, just really across the board plays well. We need to we need to backpedal. I mean, you win football games at the line of scrimmage, uh, and when you play BC, there's been a lot of years where BC wins that war against FSU's defensive line. That was not the case. The DL played very well on uh, Friday night. When you think of Boston College, one of the first things that comes to mind over their last five, ten, or fifteen years is how many offensive linemen they have put in the NFL. They are big and strong. They're they're not the quick uh, read react type of team that you have to worry about. They're lining up, putting a hat on you, and driving you off of the ball. Well, they didn't move the line of scrimmage against this Florida State defense. Christmas and Naughty and Jones when he got in there and Ame when he got in there. I think they all held their, their own. Uh, Demarcus Walker and, and Josh Sweat on the edges. Uh, you mentioned Pugh. Uh, you got Burns back in the second half. Recall he had to su- serve that suspension in the first half for the targeting. Uh, I, I grade them in, in very 
very high marks. I thought they played really well. The only the only breakdown they had was when they let the the, the back squirt out for that 39-yard gain uh, early in the first quarter. Other than that, there were no gash plays at all. No, and that was on Demarcus Walker, who was right there and could have made the play and didn't. But uh, same drive, he had a seven-yard tackle for loss a little bit later uh, in that uh, half. How much do you think, going back to the NC State game, uh, different offenses, a different week of football, you get a, a defensive stand to win that game. You just feel better about yourself as you go to work that week. How much does that play in psychologically? Young, young players, and this, again, this is still a very young team, only nine scholarship seniors were introduced for senior night. Still a very, very young team. The, the only thing that makes young players have confidence is success. You can tell them they're doing well. You can show them on tape. But until they feel like they're succeeding, that confidence doesn't grow. And I think you're just seeing the process of them playing better. And the better they play, the better they'll play, as redundant and silly as that sounds. And it, it just breeds a sense of uh, we can make this happen. We can do this. Let's go execute. You know, some, and we've pointed to this already, Boston College isn't the best offense in the world, obviously. But let's be fair, Florida State's schedule, it was very, very tough and front-loaded for the first seven weeks of the season. Well, there was an article that came out recently. It's the third through ten weeks right? based on actual performance, not what you thought was going to happen at the beginning of the year, but what has actually happened. It's the third toughest schedule in the country. Yeah, well, and the point I was going to make is that if this BC game is fit, if it was – Louisville and then Charleston Southern and then BC and then you play Clemson. If it was mixed in, you wouldn't have noticed about it as much. But now we're going to look at the schedule and say, well, the question is, did Florida State's defense improve or did the caliber of competition worsen, if you will? And I think you have to be fair. When you look at the season in totality any year, there's some great opponents and some not so great opponents, and you, you can decide where BC fits. I, 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 what I'm saying is I do think this defense is getting better. I do as well. And, again, it goes back to gaining confidence and, and, and knowing that they can accomplish what they've been tasked with doing, and that, that is just a great motivator for young people. So Florida State gets the win 45-7. We'll have some final thoughts on uh, various or sundry other items uh, from this victory on uh, Friday night, 45-7 the final, and we'll wrap things up right after this. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. Welcome back as we uh, wrap up some final thoughts. Florida State gets a 45-7 to win. Uh, we need to give a, a couple of kudos to special teams. Certainly, uh, we had heard that Logan Tyler, well, we knew he had a big leg. We had heard that Jimbo would use him in uh, long field goal situations. He did, and he connected. And, and that field goal would have been good from about 58 or 59. I think officially it was credited at 53. Uh, when he first hit it, the way I was looking at it, it looked like he pushed it a little bit left. How about this? you got to use a different holder. Aguayo is a right-footed kicker. Mm -hmm. Tyler is a left-footed kicker. I don't even recall who was holding for him. Was it the same guy that turned around, or was it different? I'd have to go back and look. There's your trivia question. We'll try to look it up. We'll get back to you next week. Don't know the answer. Some of the other statistics, these won't be surprising, but, you know, red zone, Florida State, 6 of 6, all touchdowns. 
Uh, third down conversions, 5 of 13, not great offensively, uh, not compared to what Jimbo would want, but 1 of 12 is all BC was. So, uh, again, I mean, it, it, you add it all up, and it, it, it results in a 45-7 to win. Pretty and, complete game. And that one conversion came on the last drive of the uh, game where they scored their only points. I mentioned that uh, I saw E.J. Manuel uh, during the game. This was the first time that E.J. had been back since his playing days, and he's now year four in the NFL. Now, he may not be a starter, but he's year four in the NFL. And I asked him if he'd had a chance to talk to DeAndre Francois at all, and he said he had uh, talked to him a couple of times on the phone, really hadn't met him. I think over the course of this weekend he probably was going to get to introduce him. But he said he he was planning to come back here in January or February in the offseason and spend a week here. Uh, you know, not just to help Francois, but to return. And he said during the season, it's too much clutter. He said he doesn't need 82 different people telling him go left, go right, go up, go down. Uh, But I did ask him a question about, you know, what you learn from playing a guy like Jimbo, and it's similar to what we've heard uh, others say, and that is don't pay attention to the volume that he says things. Pay attention to what he says because he knows what he's doing. Well, Monk and I used to talk about it with each other when we were playing. Our, our segment coach and coordinator was Jack Stanton. And, and the comment we had with each other, and, and Monk really is the one that helped me understand this, is uh, listen to what he's saying, not how he is saying it. Uh, and I think that goes back to some of the things we've all learned in our, our early adult and, and now for me, my latter adult life, whether it's verbal or written or otherwise. What you're looking for is the content, uh, the message, and how it's delivered is sometimes immaterial as to what the content of the message is. And that was, that's certainly one of the things you have to focus in on with Jimbo. Uh, and if you do, uh, he knows his football. And uh, if you'll pay attention to it, you'll get better. It was good to see EJ. Uh, I'm trying to think who else uh, was back. Josue Matias was back. Cam Irving was back. So there's been a lot of guys that uh, have come back to support Florida State. It's always good to see the family return. I think we also, just for the benefit of our listeners, uh, need to continue to reinforce why Florida State chose the second last home game to do senior day versus the last home game, which every other year is the University of Florida. And E.J. Manuel had a had a, a part in Jimbo making the decision to have senior day be the next to last game, not the last game, uh, for emotional and, and, and clutter reasons. Wanted to get that out of the way, especially in the years in which you play Florida as your final home contest. Yeah, and I don't know if we can say that uh, E.J. was the reason, but I think he, he was an example of just the fact that it can be a very emotional time in the case of EJ's senior year, uh, if you recall, his mom had been battling cancer. I don't think she had been to a game in person in some time. Uh, she did come to that game, and so EJ was was very emotional, his last game against uh, Florida that day. You know, moving forward now, Keith, Jimbo talks about a November to remember, and Florida State is, is halfway through creating some good memories, but halfway doesn't get it done. So now they're going to go to Syracuse, totally different team. You're going to go from conventional offense that uh, wants to have long time consuming clock-eating drives to a team that goes the exact opposite in what Syracuse does. They're going to line up at the line of scrimmage to get a play call. They're going to try to snap it with 20, 18 seconds left on the on the play clock. You're going to have to refocus all the things we talked about that this defense has struggled with, particularly early in the year in games against Ole Miss and against Louisville. Uh, don't discount, although at this time of year it's a positive, but it is different. It is a change playing indoors. First time Florida State will have played in a domed state 
stadium uh, this year. Uh, and, and, and that particular stadium, uh, I know people teasingly say it's a, uh, it's a uh, basketball arena that seats a football field because <laughs> of the strength of Syracuse's basketball program. But uh, sight lines, uh, the way the sound works, uh, you don't have to worry about wind, but you certainly have to worry about depth perception in a different way as it relates to returning kicks, returning punts, and even judging long passes. Uh, it's just a little bit different than being outdoors in an open arena. But you don't have to worry about the weather. That's the one big, big, big <laughs> positive. Trust me, I'm on the sideline. I'm appreciative of the fact that uh, we're in a climate-controlled uh, arena on I Saturday. The, I think the biggest thing that's been the improvement in the indoor arenas, uh, and, and in some cases the outdoor as well, is when they change from the old uh, artificial turf, the carpet, to the new uh, types of, uh, of uh, non-grass playing surfaces. Because uh, rug burns <laughs> were a major issue under the old days, not so much these days. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, it's going to be... Uh Barring something unforeseen, it's going to be a, a record-setting day for Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's 19 yards away from becoming the all-time leading rusher in Florida State history. He could have gotten that. Clearly, he had a quarter to go against B.C. He probably was going to get it at that point. Jimbo erred on the side of caution, and so he, Florida State's going to get a lot of at-bats on a team that uh, plays up-tempo and creates a lot of possessions. That they are. And how about this? As you evaluate and, and you make the normal human comparison between Warwick Dunn and, uh, and Dalvin, uh, you look at Warwick, his was a four-year career. Uh, it included a national championship when he was a freshman, very similar to, 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 to Dalvin's. Uh, you know, Dalvin missed that opportunity but would have been very young uh, on that 13 squad had he been here. Um, he's done it in three years. Uh, whereas Warwick did it in four. But I think one of the things that's most interesting, and I think we can't make an accurate, at least in terms of being FSU fans, can't make an accurate assessment of how well we value Dalvin until after his NFL career because Warwick's was so long and so productive. You know, if Dalvin uh, were to get hurt or if his career doesn't pan out in the same way, I don't, I don't know that we as Florida State fans judge just the collegiate numbers. We, we throw in the whole body of work. And then, of course, Dalvin, a great kid, a great kid, but the work that, that Warwick's done with, with uh, the single family and, and, and moms and, and his homes uh, is just phenomenal. Dalvin's going to – he's going to have to – measure up in a couple of different ways to be thought of the same way Warwick Dunn is. A little unfair to Dalvin, but a great compliment to Dunn. Yeah, that's that's well said. And uh, again, Dalvin, 19 yards away. And uh, the Syracuse is really where he uh, first came onto the scene a couple years ago when Mario Pender got hurt, if, uh, if memory serves. Uh, as we're recording this, we don't know kickoff time for the Syracuse game. We do know that uh, regardless, Keith and I will uh, recap it for you on Sunday at uh, 9 a.m. and at 7 p.m. with Wake Up Knowles and Primetime Knowles. We invite you to join us uh, each and every Wednesday for the front row, which comes your way at 6 o'clock. And we also have to give a big shout-out to uh, Ron and his friendly and knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. If you've got a do-it-yourself project, go see Ron and the folks there at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. They'll uh, they'll take care of you. They got two locations: Stuckey Avenue and uh, down in Crawfordville. You can find them online at ctf.nu. But uh, we appreciate their support uh, of this show, Keith. Before we wrap it up, any uh, parting thoughts here uh, as we? Uh, tie a bow on this win over BC. As anything else, what will make this BC win valuable is if you go up to Syracuse and get another victory. And obviously that positions you well for the end game against your arch rival in the University of Florida. To make it a November to remember, you can't lose because then it becomes a November to forget. 
Well, exactly. And I think at this point, if Florida State could win out and be 9-3, and three, somehow get a bowl win uh, against a name opponent, I don't know who that would be, and be 10-3, and three, that's not going to make everybody feel uh, completely great because there's some games that got away. But I think you are going to feel better about the way the team is playing. I feel better about the way they're playing right now. Very much so. Including the Clemson game. I mean, really, since after North Carolina, I think the team has played pretty, pretty and well. And how different would our perception be of that field goal from 54 yards is not good. We wouldn't have been necessarily happy with the effort, but we'd be a whole lot happier with the wins and losses. Yeah, exactly right. All right, we've done uh, all the damage we can do for uh, this particular Sunday, so we will uh, finish up here. FSU prevails 45-7. to They finally score uh, on their first drive and in the first quarter and in the first half. They play from ahead instead of behind, and uh, they really handle BC with ease as FSU improves to 7-3, and 4-3 and in conference play. We'll talk to you on the uh, front row on Wednesday night and 6. Have a great week, everybody, and go Knowles!